Psalm chapter 37 this morning. I, uh, from time to time, will check, uh, uh, make sure I'm not using a text too often or something. I keep a list of my sermons and such. And I discovered that uh, although we did a Sunday school out of the book of Psalms, this is actually the first sermon I'm preaching out of the book of Psalms in the uh, two, two and a half plus years that I've been here. It was John Wesley, if you don't know who he was, he was a very famous preacher back in the 1700s who uh, brought revival to England and, and the colonies back in the, t- in the day of the United States, which were still in English territory, would preach and hold open-air crusades and such, and uh, saw many, many people converted to Christianity and many of you know, I used the ser- it in a sermon recently about the fire and uh, that uh, John was plucked from. And that John Wesley's house burned, was caught on fire, and they couldn't get him out, and they made a human ladder and climbed up and got him out. And uh, through his mother's description of that, they, uh, someone actually painted a picture of that. And John was often referred to as a brand plucked from the fire. What's very interesting about that time, his father Samuel, when his house was burning, after he had gotten John out and realized that there was nothing more that they could really do, his family was safe, and that was more than he could probably have hoped for at that moment, he gathered the neighbors together those who had just helped get John out and such. And he said, Come, neighbors, let us kneel down and pray. Let us give thanks to God that he has given me all eight children. Let the house go. I'm rich enough. He had a picture and an understanding that, you know what, there's some times where you have to evaluate that life's circumstances are what they are. That you're not going to be able to change things and manipulate things to the way you would wish them to be. If we all got what we wished, we'd all be young, beautiful, rich, and talented. You're already smart, so I can't wish for that, right? Right? We'd all, we'd get what we, we'd all want that. But life doesn't always give that to you. I was combing my hair and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got old. How'd that happen? And you realize that factors in life, have, we have to see God not prevent things from happening, but help us through what is happening. The book of Psalms, David is writing here. This is one of the Psalms of David. And I just want to take out these three verses. I love these three verses. Psalms 37, beginning in verse 3. And he says there's three things we need to do. Verse Three he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. I want to talk to you firstly about the thought of trusting the Lord. Trusting God, and no matter what is happening, 
in your life. The word here to trust literally means to take refuge. It means to be confident or sure in. If you were going to trust something that to your safety, when I got on a plane, I trusted that the pilot knew what he was doing. That he was competent. I didn't go and check and ask him, and I, uh, you know, hey, where, how many flights have you had? You know, have, how long was your training? And I, you know, I just trusted. We do this every day. We're driving down the road and the light's red and then it turns green. We go through it many times. We don't even slow down, trusting that those who are coming up to the red light are going to stop. We trust. And in our text, it says that trust in the Lord and do good. So firstly, we need to ask, are we able to trust God with our lives? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of you are familiar with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. Trusting God. Let's talk about first your circumstances. Life has its turns, its blind turns. We don't see, you know, I've shared with you, I believe life is kind of like the roller coaster. When it was first built, it was, it was beyond its day, and now it's probably not as exciting in the day. But when I was a child, my parents took me, my dad, uh, just before he died, he actually took us to Disney World. And we got to ride, in, and it was 1980, and the Epcot Center had just been built, and they had the, the Epcot Magic, uh, the Mountain, Magic Mountain roller coaster. And what was unique about that roller coaster is that it was inside in the dark. So you couldn't see when the next turn was coming. You didn't know which way you were about to be whipped or rolled or twisted or whatever was going to happen. You didn't know if you were going to go up or down or what was next. You had no idea. It was a blind ride, and it was uh, kind of fun. And they actually had, I think at that time, they had two different rides that were going uh, at the same time. So if you did it twice, you could even be in pre- uh, not prepared for the next time you did it. I think life is a lot like that. We would like to be able to say that we can see, and you know, people say in job interviews, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see yourself? It's like, you can say, oh, I see myself here or there. I see doing this or that. But life is a different way of playing out than we see it. Circumstances happen, unforeseen issues, difficulties Sometimes it's setbacks. Sometimes it has to do with finances. Sometimes it has to do with health. Sometimes it has to do with relationships. Sometimes it has to do with disappointments uh, and, uh, and uh, feelings of being overlooked. Can you trust God in those times? That God is actually going to help us. Another big one that people have an issue trusting God with is their future. That God actually has a plan for you. That when things start looking bleak, you know, we we love to make plans and 
And I'm all for making plans. But the truth is, so many people spend all their time worrying about the future that they lose the present. You know, there's, there's two mistakes people make. They live in worrying about the future or they live regretting the past and they miss the now. So can you trust God with your future? That God has a plan for you. God has a spouse for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a place for you. Those are the two hard issues to trust God. Because sometimes we feel like we did trust Him and it didn't work out. My wife and I were in Lithuania and we were talking about the, the trust fall. We were telling the Lithuanians about this. They had never heard of the trust fall or whatever. And so we were talking about it. Well, my wife thought I was ready to catch her and I wasn't. She just started falling back and I caught her at the, like at the last minute and got her. But it was like, she goes, I'm never doing that again. I'm like, well, if you're going to do it, if you did it in the first place, you've got to warn me. <laughs> and so she goes, I thought I did. And I, you know, it was one of those moments anyway. And so uh, we're, we got that all worked out. So we're doing well today. Anyway, so. But we do that to God. Right? I trusted you. And he did catch you at the last minute. But it was like it didn't work out exactly the way you thought. And so I'm, I'm never doing that again. And we're quick sometimes to say, God, I can trust you, just not with my circumstances and not with my future. Oh, I believe that you can help people, you can save people, you can do all sorts of good things. Because our text says not only to trust him, but to do good. Galatians says that be not weary in doing good things. For at the right time you will receive the just reward. Psalms 34 and verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in Him. That you can trust God, live and feed on His goodness. It says that we will safely come into the land and prosper. In Psalms chapter 1, it talks about the man who does right. First, it goes through the progression of those who do wrong, those who stand in the way of sinners, those who walk in the way of the wicked, those who sit. And it's a progression of comfortableness. It's one thing to kind of stand there and not know. It's a kind of another to move around and be familiar. It's another to sit and make yourself at home. And the progression of the sinful man who does these things and how that, that will come on and, and eventually come back and bite them. But he says, those who do right, those who do good, they're like the trees planted by the water. They will prosper, bring fruit in their time. There'll be a favor and a blessing upon them that will be there, that they won't be disappointed. See, don't discount 
God's goodness just if you're in a difficult season. If you're in a time where it's difficult, where it's hard, where life is not, oh, it's not all fair, it's not all good, it's not all mountaintop experiences. Something about the reality of making Christ your confidence. That you no matter what I'm going through, do you believe this? God is faithful. Do you believe that statement? Paul did. The Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he invited you to participate with his son, Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, God will make this happen, for he who called you is faithful. Do you believe God is faithful? Do you believe that he is willing to stick it out? We looked in our Sunday school, we're looking at the fruits that the Spirit produces, the fruit of the Spirit we were talking about long-suffering and how patience in God endures, but part of His endurance is that He is faithful, that He is willing to work out and still is allowing us to go forward, that if we'll trust in Him, He's going to do something beyond that which we could even imagine for our lives. Trusting in God is not just hoping that God will someday do something, but it's acting what is right in the knowledge that God is faithful. Secondly, it says in our text, delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord, verse 4. And He will give you the desires of your heart. The word to delight literally means to be soft or luxurious. It has to do with the thought of also being pliable. Barnes notes, Albert Barnes wrote, he said that these, the meaning here is that we should seek our happiness in God, in His being, His perfection, His friendship, and in His love. I mentioned again, you know, about going to see our grandkids and, and just the excitement we We've started this little tradition. When we go, we don't tell them we're going. And so then we try to surprise them. And it, of course, it gets harder and harder. Is that one, they're getting older. Two, we've got to think of new things. And, you know, and, and they're always scheming. And so we actually got away with it this time, which was pretty amazing. And to see their reaction to, to you know, as, as we, they, it's, a, it's, we had knocked on the door. We, my daughter had dropped us, got us from the airport, dropped us off, parked the car around so they couldn't see there were suitcases in it. And then uh, we waited a few minutes. They sat down to dinner and we knocked on the door. And they thought they were getting a delivery and they came. My grandson runs to the door because he's excited about this delivery. He opens it up and he, it took him a second. You could see in just that moment as he sees he actually saw Kerry first, and he sees this, and he's trying to, like, his, his brain is computing this out. It's not what he's expecting, but, oh, my gosh, what is the, 
my granddaughter runs, Serena, the middle one, she bursts out in tears and, you know, it just, you know, and, and the, it was just fun. It was a delightful time. That's the picture there of what God has for us. To delight. That we should enjoy him. Do you enjoy God's presence? Is church like something you have to do because you know you have to do it? Is prayer laborsome like I don't want to pray? An hour early, really? A single day, David wrote, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a keeper of the gate in the house of the Lord than to live the good life in the homes of the wicked. Yet some people, they take more pleasure in money, in recreation, in other things than in God. They don't emphasize God. They don't put him first. They don't think about delighting themselves in God. God is if I get around to it. I'll go to church on a Sunday if the weather's questionable and I can't really get a round of golfing. That's not delighting yourself. The thing about delighting yourself in God is then he delights himself in you. I can tell you there's no place on earth that I can go and be a superhero like I can when I go see my grandkids. I mean, Papa can move heaven and earth. And I know they'll figure it out someday, but right now I'm enjoying it, okay? (laughs) Give me that, okay? They know. They know when we go there, they'll ask for things that they don't normally get. When we ate dinner right afterwards, it's like, what should we do? I said, let's go get ice cream. And they were like, yes, let's go get ice cream. So we walked over to a little place to get ice cream. They don't normally do that, but they know Papa's here, and they know Papa will do that. The desires of your heart, literally the askings or the requests of your heart. See, when you delight yourself in God, he is then going to really give himself to you. He's going to help you in a unique way. Psalms 84 verse 11, for the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. 1 John 5 and verse 14, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. God is in heaven. He's listening. He wants to help us. When we're there, I can tell you, you know, 
it's the old expression, and I know some of you, and we've, we've got Ezekiel here for the first time, and uh, welcome, Ezekiel. And uh, I know you're going to get a lot out of this sermon, so take good notes, okay? Is he awake? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. But the reality is, is you know, that, that as we, you know, uh, had children and such, but grandchildren are just that much even better. And so, you, you know, the, the glorious thing of having them and, and uh, you know, spoil them and such. So let me ask you this. What are you asking God for? Do you believe God will bless you? Do you believe he wants to bless you? Now, I'm not talking like a television hyper-faith preacher. Just say money. Come to me. You know, I hate... Anyway. But what do you need God to do for you? What do you need God to help you with? What are you looking for? Do you believe he can give it to you? A good job, a good faithful opportunity, whatever the desire of your heart could be, do you think God could breathe and break it through for you? If it's in his will, I can tell you, you know, if you're praying to win the lottery, one is you don't understand what the lottery is. It's a tax on people who are bad at math. That's number one. True story, my wife, I think I've shared this before, but my wife worked at a convenience store when we were pioneering our first church. And someone in another convenience store that was open 24-7, the guy scratched one lottery ticket and didn't win. He's working the overnight shift, so he scratches another one. He figures he's going to hit, so he figures it'll all work out. 234 scratch tickets later, he owed $220. He then proceeded to remove the videotape that had it and left a half an hour early before he could be fired. God probably won't give you something like that, but he will give you the desires of your heart that are righteous, that are in his pleasure. Finally, David says, commit yourself, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. And he will help you. The word to commit means to literally roll. It's the thought to run down or to seek or to trust or allow. It is the idea of rolling a heavy burden from one to another, laying it upon him so that he can bear it. The burden which we have, we do not have the strength we may lay on God. The way of properly doing this, trending on the path of the courses of life, the meaning of the reference here is to lay the whole course of life upon God, that He literally will take care of everything. First Peter 5, 7, course quoting from the Psalms, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. Are you committing yourself to God? Are you allowing Him to take what troubles you? Listen to me right now. You will complain. 
My wife never complained. You're a liar. Anyway, my husband never complained. We all complain. Who are you going to complain to? You're going to complain to everyone else? Or are you going to take that complaint to God? Too many people make the mistake of not taking the complaint to the right person. They want to complain. When I flew home, uh, they, obviously a cruise had just, the, I was with a bunch of people who had just been on a cruise together. And they were all older. And they all were not traveled well. They didn't understand they were in a foreign country and it wasn't America. And I'm tra- <laughs> I gave up trying to explain to a couple of them that this is not the United States. It doesn't work that way, but yeah, anyway, whatever. And so, you know, they, they've just, they, they just, uh, anyway. Right? They're complaining about this and complaining about that, complaining to each other about this and the food and the, the, the service and the this and the that, and I can't believe they don't do this and I can't believe they don't. And it's like, yeah, you can complain to each other, but it's not going to change anything. Nothing. Might make you feel a little better for a moment, but it actually will probably get you more worked up. We're all troubled with things. Is there anyone here who doesn't have troubles? Ezekiel and Cooper, put down your hands. Right? We all have troubles. Our troubles have troubles. Pastor Mitchell used to say, I have grand troubles. My troubles had children, and now they have, and now I have troubles, troubles everywhere. Who are you taking them to? Do you realize that you can take them to God and He's committed to help you? He wants to move in your troubles, for your troubles. Committing yourself to God doesn't simply mean, I will just be disciplined. Because somehow, if you say it in an Eastern European accent, it, ha- it seems to have more power, right? I will be disciplined. But the reality of what Paul, uh, David is saying here is committing yourself to God is saying, God, you're gonna, you can help me. You're the one who can do this. Settling this is what really helps us. Trust, delight, and commitment. When we settle this in our hearts. We can go forward with what God has for us. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend into heaven, Jesus resolutely set himself out for Jerusalem. Now, it's fascinating if you read that and then know what was going to happen is he would go from Jerusalem to Galilee about four times before the crucifixion. But what it's saying here is at one point he committed himself, gave his troubles to God and said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to let you work this out, God. I'm giving this to you. Psalm, uh, Acts chapter 20 22 and 23, Paul says, I am bound 
by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I do not know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering is ahead. How would you like that? He, you know, we'll have evangelists and they'll work in the gifts sometimes and they'll call people out. Brother, come here. I want to pray for you. You know what? Suffering. Every city you go to, suffering. You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to suffer jail. Praise the Lord. Does that, does that bear witness to your soul? <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. But Paul had set his will. That's what David is saying in our text. If you'll set your will, if you'll set yourself to trust, delight, and commit to the Lord, he will help you. Philippians 1, I want you all to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence to boldly speak God's message without fear. That we can trust and know and have confidence that no matter what goes on, God's going to do some great things. Because our text ends with the term, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall work it all out. Literally, one commentator said, he will work, trusting God that he will work for you. Or another one said that he will do what you cannot. That God will work for us. Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth, in order to uh, strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking. He's saying, if you'll trust me, if you'll delight me, if you'll commit your, I will help you. I'm committed to you. I will work on your behalf. You know, Jeff Beswick, he's now a pastor. He's from Rochester, here originally, and he got saved in this church many years ago. He was in mental institutions. His file is about this thick. His parents were basically told that they should just prepare for his funeral because they didn't think he was, they figured one day he's going to either do something crazy or he's going to OD. They said he'll just be in and out. Today he's a pastor. But Pastor Jeff Day at the time just kept telling Jeff, just keep coming to church. Just keep coming to church. He, at the hotel, he punched, he almost got him kicked out of the hotel and different things when the church was meeting there. Just keep coming to church. And Jeff says, I don't even know why. I didn't even like it all the time, but I kept coming. And God did a work. God will do great and mighty things. Ecclesiastes 3.11 Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the hearts, in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. A commitment to what God wants to do.
delighting and trusting in God. I close with this. Pastor Wayman Mitchell, who passed away a couple of years ago. He, I had the privilege of taking him back and forth to the airport for a number of years. And he would fly and go preach here and there and such. And so, as I would do that and spend time with him, he would tell me different stories. We'd be driving through Prescott Valley and he'd go, oh, this was, there were no houses here when I was a boy. You know, I used to bring my rifle to school. So he brought it for show and tell one time. Winchester 30-odd six, and he brought it to school, and they would all look at it, and all they were fascinated because they'd go rabbit hunting after school. Because all of this was just feel, we'd just go rabbit hunting, and and rabbits out there are not like the cute little bunnies around here. They're absolutely varmints, and you know, and so and they do multiply like rabbits are accused of multiplying. And so you know, to take a few of them out is it's not a it actually helps. And so they would go hunting rabbits and varmint and such. And he'd go into the woods there and he'd tell me stories and how he grew up there. And he began to tell me this whole story of how he, you know with $200 in his pocket and went to Canada to take over a church and with a letter he got across the border, something he would never do today and was able to go to Canada and, and work on a letter that nobody verified and, and none of this would happen today. And on the way up, his car broke down. That cost him $70 of the $200 he had to get to Canada and uh, gas and everything and, and so fixed the car. He and he, he just shared with me just through his life just some of the stories that he went through. I wish I had taken notes and had to actually write them down, but the stories all kind of blur together in my mind, and, and now I'm not able to. I tried to disseminate them, and it's just not there. But he had uh, he'd kind of given up. He quit the ministry. Pastor Greg just shared this recently. He was in one of the men's discipleship classes he ministered here. But he quit. Said, I'm done. He got an opportunity to go to Prescott. There had been a moral failure, actually a double moral failure. Not only did the pastor run away with the secretary, his son ran away with the keyboard player. Blew up four marriages. And so it's just a disaster in the church. And so the church is hurting. He goes there. He said, he just went there to retire. He didn't go there to see revival. He just went there to retire. Nice place to raise his family. He's kind of done with all sorts of the politics and whatnot of denominations, and so he's just done. Long, crazy story short, people began to get saved. He began to send them out, take over churches, opportunities, Men wanted to go. He didn't go through the route of the Bible school. He just discipled them, and on and on it went. And all of a sudden, the, the fellowship was thriving, and there was jealousy and all of this craziness. But he said at one point, it, God was doing something. He didn't even understand it. He didn't understand, you know, people think, oh, he had this master plan. It's like, he goes, Keith, I didn't, five years God was doing things. I didn't even get it. I rode with it, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand what all that was taking place. 
I just wanted to serve God. I was ready to just have a quiet life. And be there. He ended up traveling all around the world preaching in who knows how many countries and opportunities. But he was definitely a man who trusted God. He found places to pray when there was no place to pray. He would pray in the bathroom. He would pray in the woodshed. He would pray wherever. He was a man who committed himself to the Lord. He wasn't going to backslide because of all sorts of unfavorable issues. He still was going to serve God. He delighted himself in God. I would hear him pray every morning. And I was blessed to just be able to know that, you know, he's gone to be with Jesus. He was a very fruitful, very powerful man of God. It all didn't begin in his life till after he was 40. But he trusted God. And the fruit of it is even here today. That you and I can be a part of that. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Delight in the Lord. Commit yourself to the Lord and he shall bring it to pass. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. First and foremost, maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted in God. You've never allowed God to help you in your life or actually bowed your knee and asked Jesus Christ in your heart. But let me tell you tonight, this morning, you have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ in a personal way. That you can commit yourself to God. It's not this horrible, oh, life will be miserable. Life is a blessing to serve the Lord. God's favor and grace will be upon your life, but you have to make that decision that I am going to give my life to Jesus and He's going to forgive my sins and I'm going to serve Him and be that person that is committed that will trust in Him. That I can give Him my issues of life, my problems, my burdens, my complaints. Because you are going to complain. The question is, who are you going to complain to? And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly and say, you know what, that's me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. Or maybe you're backslidden. Maybe these are the very issues. You didn't trust God. Took matters in your own hands. You didn't delight in God. You let other things take and steal your attention. You didn't commit yourself. You didn't give your troubles to God. And you allowed them to overwhelm you and take you away. And now you're not serving God and you want to come back. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Say, that's me. I need to get my heart right with God. Very quickly. You're not saved or you're backslidden. Very quickly. Anyone, very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. This is the promise that we have. If we will trust in God, He's going to help us. 
If we'll delight ourselves in God, He's going to help us. If we'll commit, give Him all of our issues and our complaints, He is going to help us. That's a great and glorious promise. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to give God time as people begin to pray. Sing a song. give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you, God. We glorify you. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are able, God. Oh, thank God. Thank God.